Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we can uh, continue on in our study in the New Testament, although we're going to start a, a new phase, a new book, today we're going to begin in the book of Luke, and uh, we'll work through this again, chapter at a time. We've done Matthew, we've done Mark, we skipped over Luke, we did John, now we're going back to Luke. I want to do Luke and Acts together. And so uh, that'll be a pretty good run. And I haven't looked at how many chapters that is in total, but we'll be doing Luke and Acts for a while. Um, and uh, Luke is, is similar in a lot of ways to Matthew and Mark. You'll see that pretty quickly. John was the different sort of gospel. There was a lot of, you know, still a lot of similarities, but from a different approach. Luke is written more to a Gentile audience, and we'll talk about that and uh, what that looks like and why that's important uh, in the weeks ahead. And then uh, he he then moves from the sort of picture of the life of Jesus into the book of Acts to how the church started. The the acts of the apostles or disciples are recorded for us there. And we, we see what the guys got up to and and uh, Paul enters the picture and uh, we see what he gets up to and the missionary journeys and the churches being planted and, and all the things that they do. And there's just a, a lot of neat stuff that takes place and you, you get to see how the church sort of came to be um, through the book of Acts. And then from there we'll start getting into some of the letters that Paul wrote and the reasons why he wrote them and, and uh, the things that he was addressing as a as a church was sort of figuring itself out. Um, you know, and we're still in the process of figuring ourselves out. We've been at this 2,000 years. Um, we've done some things good over the time. We've done some things really, really badly over the time and in our history. Um, and so we're, we're still a work in process, but that's okay. Jesus said it would be that way until he came back. But once he comes back, guess what? It's all good. He takes care of it from there, so... What we're supposed to do is do the best we can with what we know and what we have, with our hearts and, and thoughts and prayers and life focused on Jesus and then allowing him to lead us and to guide us and, and to, uh, to continue to grow in him in the kingdom. Um, Luke is written to somebody named Theophilus. Now, there's a little conjecture about that before we get into it because... Uh, most most of the church believes, and, and I would say in this case I believe as well that Theophilus, Theophilus is a is a guy, is and and Luke records this history sort of for him, and uh, that Theophilus is a Gentile believer, or, uh, Gentile, hopefully I'm sure he's a believer at this point in time, and um, Luke, while not an eyewitness to these events, is like a researcher. Uh, historian, and he's very thorough, and he's very detailed, and he gives us more detail than any of the other guys throughout the book of Luke's and Acts. He he really dug through what he needed to find out, and got all the first-hand accounts that he could, and witnesses, and he he records these things for Theophilus. Now, the other part of that, the other conjecture in that process is this: that um, Theophilus actually means, if you break it down in the Greek, lover of God, Theo, and and Philio. It means just that. It means a lover of God. And and so the other conjecture is that Luke was just writing to everybody that loves God. And in some sense, he is, because the, the letter didn't stop with Theophilus. It came to the rest of us. So either way, it, it sort of works out. But there's a little uh, a little trivia before we get started. Now, um, there's 80 verses in Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to go ahead and read through them. It'll take a few minutes to read through them. And then I just want to discuss a couple of points. We won't keep you late today. Um, uh, because it would obviously take a long time to really go through 
the depth of 80 verses, but you'll get it. Uh, and, and you'll hear some things and we'll point up a few things along the way. So uh, it's, it's in your bulletin, I know, but it's really small to get it to fit. <laughs> so if you have your Bibles, you're probably going to want to go there. Or there's Bibles in the pews. You can grab one of those. Or if you can see it. Well, God bless you. You're not 50. <laughs> I can't see it. <laughs> he can? Well, that's good. Well, they, folks have been here know the story. They watch my eyes go bad. <laughs> it actually happened on a Wednesday night. <laughs> Boom. And they've watched me wrestle with the glasses. All right. Luke chapter 1, verse 1 through 80. Here we go. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning... It seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. In the time of Herod, and so now begins the the story, in the time of Herod, he's going way back to the beginning, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron, Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. That means they were probably 50. (laughs) All right, I'm over it. Really, I'm okay with being 50. I don't know why you're supposed to make I I did say, though, when they were doing this thing, I said, don't put any black anything in there because I'm not going for it, so... They did really nice, nice colors. Thank you. And let me stop and say thank you again. And everybody that made that happen, thank you very much. That was cool. Okay. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, these guys took, um, uh, they were on two-week shifts. Um, but I think there was enough of them, from what I understand and read, it was like two weeks a year that they actually were on duty at the temple. Pretty good gig if you can get it. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, what do angels always say when they come into a room? There you go. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel answered, 
I am Gabriel. Which, <laughs> I don't know if you can quite get that, but at that point, I'm sure Zachariah fell back down again. <laughs> the, the, the concept is that if the angel Gabriel shows up, and after you scrape yourself off the floor to listen, you ought to just be able to take what he says and go, okay. <laughs> but never mind. Because <laughs> I'm going to say, wouldn't that be enough for you? But we, we get stuff like that and we all mess up too. So we can certainly relate to Zechariah. Okay. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. Where is he? What's he doing in there? When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just think that would have been funny. If, if, if you don't get a funny picture in your head of that, I'm glad that's what they thought of him, though. Well, he must have seen a vision. <laughs> again, if you came out, never mind. When his time of service was completed, the two weeks were up, he returned home. After, these, after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. In the sixth month... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. There you go. Happens every time. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked to the angel, since I am a virgin? Um, so Mary has questions too, which, which by all rights are, are, is reasonable. And, and her question is, um, is, is significant. Uh, even more significant, I think, because, you know, with um, with Zechariah and Elizabeth, their problem was just that they were a little older. Um, Mary is going to conceive and she has uh, yet to be married and, and she's, she's a virgin in the process. And so it's, it's even a bigger dynamic. And so Gabriel explains it to her. Uh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be, uh, one to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. We'll talk about that more in a minute. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Mary's response is, is huge. Um, we'll talk about it more. Mary's just a teenage girl. Uh, the ramifications of what she'd just been told are off the charts for what it means. And, and um, you know, 
most people aren't going to believe her. She's going to be pregnant without being married, which was still a, a stonable offense. Um, you know, she's got to tell Joseph, uh, her family, the town, and, and uh, uh, you know, she's facing a very difficult thing. And, and she says, Lord, as you say, so let it be. Verse 39, at that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from the thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. I'm sorry, that's I shouldn't chuckle there, but. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened, and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wonderful, uh, everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to repair the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay, so some neat stuff has taken place in that first chapter. And um, before I dig into it uh, deeply, just a couple of verses I want to share to you. Because Luke is, is taking some time 
uh, and does to connect some Old Testament prophecies with New Testament reality. And, and uh, as you see these things being fulfilled, it, it, it really helps to tie this entire thing together for us. In Malachi 4.5, uh, which was pretty much the last writing of the Old Testament uh, before there was this period of time in between um, what takes place, it says, see, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the, the great, before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. So, uh, someone in the spirit of Elijah needed to show up on the scene before Messiah would break into history. Isaiah 7:14. therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Now, these, these verses um, are, are prophetic from much earlier in history, in the Old Testament, to the arrival of Jesus. And the excitement begins to build because before the Messiah could come, Elijah needed to show back up on the scene, the spirit, someone in the spirit of Elijah, and that's John the Baptist. So, John the Baptist's ministry is about preparing people for the Lord. And so he's sort of the last of the Old Testament prophets. That's, that's John the Baptist. Because Jesus comes and establishes a new order and in, in, in introducing the kingdom in a way that they hadn't understood or seen it before. And so, so John the Baptist has the honor, more or less, of, of finishing up the prophetic role of the Old Testament. But Jesus, and you'll hear him saying this, you know, that, that John the Baptist was, was the greatest of all that, but sort of the least because he's at the very tail end of what was happening and a new start is about to take place with the introduction of Jesus. And, and so we'll look at that coming. And so um, all these things begin to tie together. And ultimately, Luke, uh, the, the sort of underlying thing, remember in John we talked a lot about light and darkness and, and you know, True morality and, and the legalistic morality and the differences between these. In Luke, sort of the underlying concept that you're going to see, it's all about a transformed life. And, and how Jesus um, can transform our lives. He's the ultimate transformer, if you would. And, uh, and, and so he's come to transform our lives. And, and his message is one of new life and new hope for, for everyone who will listen and in faith respond to his message. And, and two significant characters that we read about were introduced in Luke chapter 1. Um, one of them was uh, John the Baptist. And, you know, I sort of touched on this as we were going through uh, uh, that, that Zechariah didn't really believe it, had a lot of doubts, um, which uh, ultimately we can relate to because it impacts most of us. The this same sort of thinking um, gets us because... Even it impacts a lot of times our, our prayer life because we get stuck by the way things normally are. Well, that's not the way things normally happen. With Zechariah and Elizabeth, having a child in their later years was not the way that things normally happen. And yet, what we have to understand is that, that God is not limited to what normally happens. And that's a good thing. Or else there'd be no reason to pray, there'd be no reason to have faith, there'd be no reason to expect that God is able to do the impossible and he can. And if we begin to take that into account, our lives are more easily transformed. And, and John um, would be one of God's great men, filled with the Spirit and set apart for this ministry from birth. Uh, he would help point many of his countrymen back towards God to, to be prepared 
for the time that Jesus would enter the scene, to be even ready to begin to hear what was happening because the people had become so hardened in their hearts. And, and remember, we've talked about this in all the other Gospels. The, the Pharisees had people in this very hard sort of thing. The, the, the love of God had sort of been lost. People didn't even begin to relate to him that way. And, and uh, it was just about rules and regulations. And Jesus comes and turns that all upside down so that the people could begin to receive and be in relationship again with God. And so this announcement in the first chapter of John the Baptist's birth was was really big news because he had to come before Messiah would come. Jesus is about to enter the scene and change everything for all of us. It's It's a huge announcement because the forerunner is now in place. Jesus is coming. And then in, in the encounter with Mary, uh, Abriel again, uh, and, and I touched on this, in an overwhelming message for a teenage girl to hear and to receive. But, but when Gabriel tells her how it's going to happen, that the Holy Spirit will overshadow her and, and she, she'll conceive this child, um, her response is, is so amazing. I belong to the Lord, body and soul. Let it be as you say. And again, powerful for us to know we're his and we can trust him and that he's got us in each and every situation. And, you know, she could have gone in a lot of directions with what was said, but rather than worry about all the ramifications of everything, that was her heart. God, whatever you want in my life. And her um, response in verses 46 through 55, um, Mary's song or the Magnificat or however you you might know it, uh, is powerful. I just want to read that to you and we'll close. With that, because um, I know I read it once, I want to read it again. And Mary said, verse 46, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from the thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our father. This is the, the response, the faith response from a teenage girl who has been visited by the angel Gabriel and told this amazing news that she would be mother of the one who was coming to set the world free and to redeem for her understanding Israel, which they had been waiting for for hundreds of years, uh, hundreds upon hundreds of years of oppression that they had suffered, ultimately because they had wandered away from the Lord. They'd turned their backs on him and they had, they'd gotten into a bad spot. But God's faithful and is now making a way for them to return to him. Mary has this very clear picture of who God is. And each of us need to have this picture developed in our minds of who God is. So that the power of the Spirit through Christ can indeed transform us. And that's what we'll read on in the book of Luke. Amen? Amen. Okay, uh, is anybody upstairs to turn off the video? Thank you, Caleb. If you're watching by video, thanks for watching. If you're watching in Williston, hi guys. We'll, uh,